This is the Hartford Online Radio Network. 21st Century Audio. Delivered. On thehorn.com. It's Tuesday night, and we are open for business, the podcast that explores all things business, entrepreneurship, technology, marketing, customer service, and how to make a few dollars for yourself. Bandwidth for On the Horn is provided by Amazon S3 servers. Amazon S3 is storage over the internet. Retrieve any amount of data at any time from anywhere on the web. Highly scalable, reliable, secure, fast, and inexpensive, all from a name you trust, Amazon. For more information on Amazon S3 storage, you can visit aws.amazon. This is episode number 40, Leadership Behavior, the 20-Minute CEO, a great little story about that. Open for Business is sponsored by Gateway Financial Group, the accounting firm of Budwitz Admire Jack, Deepwater Seafood, and CentralCTDental.com. I'm Brian Parker, and I'm joined today by Zen Master Tommy Russo, co-owner of LNR Productions, the full-service audio and video production house, LNR Productions. Com. Hello, Tommy. Hey, Brian. Good evening to you. Good evening, sir. And we're also joined by Ken Cook, acclaimed author, speaker, and Fortune 500 consultant, contributor to Inc. Magazine, now running Peer-to-Peer Advisors. You can check him out at peer-to-peeradvisors.com. Hello, Ken. Brian, how are you tonight? Lovely. Thank Ken, you. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good to see that you, too. That is a great radio voice. What's that, me? Yours. Yeah. Hey, hey thanks, man. <laughs> Um, our topic tonight, a cautious tale of leadership ego gone astray. Uh, board of directors fired a CEO for, quote, discouraging different points of view. The North Carolina Utility Commission Board fired CEO Bill Johnson just 20 minutes after its approval of a $32 billion merger with Duke Energy and Progress Energy. Uh, Jim Rogers, the new CEO of the merged company, testified that the board of directors felt Johnson's style was too autocratic and discouraged different points of view. $32 billion merger. You think, I mean, 20 minutes? You didn't last 20 minutes in a job? <laughs> that's tremendous. Uh, a lot more about that, but that's going to lead to discussion about uh, being a good leader and some leadership qualities and what maybe not to do, like discourage different points of view. But to get us in the mood, Tommy Russo brings in each week his Tommy quotes. We'll bring it over to him. Tommy, what do you got? Okay, I got two quotes today, boys and girls. Ken and Brian, uh, and those are from number one, Zig Ziglar, and number two, Abraham Lincoln. All righty. Are we ready, boys? Okay. Okay, the best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. The CEO that had 20 minutes and looking at that particular quote. <laughs> yeah, he changed that time frame in a heartbeat. <laughs> in a heartbeat, right. He would have loved the full day. And then the next one is, when the door closes, look to the window. When the door closes, look to the window. That sounds very much like Who Moved My Cheese. What was that guy, Ken Blanchard? No. Yeah. Wasn't um, that Ken Blanchard? Not Cheese. Who Moved My Cheese? Really? I'm going to look it up now. Might have been. But I think the second quote was Ziggler and the first one was Lincoln. Ken Cook wins the prize. You take it home tonight, Ken. Exactly. Good guess. Good guess. Really good guess. Exactly. Two of my faves, though, Zig and Abraham. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Johnson, you're right, Who Moved My Cheese. All right. That was the Bible if you were looking for a job when that first came out. It's a great book. Yeah. That was really uh, 
very popular. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, neat stuff. So, Ken, let's get let's get us get us started here with twenty these, minute CEO. The twenty minute CEO. How does that happen? I saw this in an e newsletter from Roger Swartz, who was all about leadership. And when I read it, I just went, "Are you kidding me? A thirty two billion dollar company, Duke Energy, one of the largest utilities in the country, merging with Progressive Energy." It is literally the largest utility country, company in the country. And this guy lasts 20 minutes. I, I'm as aghast as you were, Brian, triple that. That's how I looked at this and went, oh, my Lord. I mean, talk about leaving money on the table, too. Man. So at, what was interesting is as Schwartz wrote it up, he did a little analysis of what this autocratic style is all about. Right. Let me just read one paragraph, which to me is the real paradox for leaders today. Most leaders recognize that autocratically decreeing decisions without getting input from others won't get the results the organization needs. Now, here's the paradox. Yet, these same leaders still believe it's their job to convince others on their team to get them to buy in. You've got all of these business books on the shelves that tell us to get people on or off the bus. Right. And the definition of a leader is someone who has followers. So you're sitting here saying, on one hand, do not decree, do not bring edicts down from on high as to what you want done. Yet you want followers, you want the right people on the bus, get on or get off, understand where we're going or disappear. And that, to me, is extremely autocratic. And that's the paradox, because in theory, intellectually, I don't know a leader out there who will tell you that hierarchical command and control structure works. They just know in today's climate, that's not the way to go. Yet they practice differently. So fundamentally, one of the things that I would say in listening is that maybe it's time for us to retool the definition of being a leader. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think the, the traditional definition that we've seen played out thousand times is relevant to what we're dealing with in the 21st century what let me ask them what is your understanding of the traditional definition of a leader i think in so many words what you just articulated we have a leader and behind that leader are followers and we look to that leader to lead the way Okay. Um, and I, you know, I think that there's some value in, if, let's say, you're the leader of this trio or tricycle, as Brian would like to say. Yeah, we're, we're not quite a trio. <laughs> we're still in the tricycle phase. A tricycle phase. Yeah. Then, you know, it would be great for you to, at times, assume some of that. But when you recognize within yourself that your strengths only take us so far, and you have two other team members yep. who are going to enhance those weaknesses in uh -huh. your overall profile, then it's time as a smart thinking individual, let's throw the word leader the hell out the window in this moment, yep. and you turn to us and say, make me better. Make me better. Brian, I know that you can lead the charge on this, and I know your skill set is, you know, it will fill in the gaps where Mayan doesn't. Yeah. I want your input. I want your leadership. I want you to take us to the next step. That's good. What's your definition, Brian? Well, all right. I I don't know. I mean, it 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 changes. Here's here's what the point I want to make is I think there's a lot of folks out there and not the folks who are, you know, NBA guys or whatever, or pay attention to this concept of leadership. 
I think there are a lot of the sort of rank and file citizens out there, whether they be in, uh, in uh, you know, the U.S., in big business, small business, or whatever, that think leadership is the mean general, hmm. and you gotta just go die for your general because he's the leader. You know, pansies. Sort of like our twenty-minute Bill Johnson. Maybe. Um, and so I. I don't think, you know, people think the leader is the king. You know, everything for the king. We're all just serfs. What do I think good leadership is? No, even, you know, the best kings and the best generals and the best presidents and the best CEOs and the best whatever, the best, you know, Cub Scout leaders have all had uh, vision, uh, passion for what they're they're doing. The tricky one, I think, is being a good decision maker. Um. There's a funny line from Confucius, if I can find it in my show notes. Um, let's see here. We're still waiting for you to answer the question, part. I am. <laughs> He's working. I am. What are you talking about? I just gave you three of them right there. My, my hair is grayer than it was 20 minutes ago. Well, open up your ears, <laughs> peanut. Confucius. Peanut? Think, peanut? then act decisively. Think, then act decisively. You know, uh this is from Confucius. Chiwan, who, who cares who he is, always thought twice before taking action when the master was informed of this he said twice will do i like that good to good to think about what you know not you know don't go ready fire aim but don't just sit there and you well, know, sometimes think ready about fire the aim is exceptional and appropriate yeah i mean it could be the thing that i <laughs> get confused with with leadership yeah is the fine line between founded and grounded confidence versus unfounded confidence because leaders too frequently think they have to have the answers and view it as a weakness yeah if they don't yeah and i think that ties into um another concept for me is that that sort of team builder yeah mentality you know if you're someone that has good character you can build a team and what's going to help you um in making great decisions is that you have this uh, team that trusts you and is going to load you with proper information so you can be a good decision maker. Yep. And so, uh, and so part of it, being a good decision maker might be that I'm not in a position to be able to make this decision. And I'm going to rely on Ken to yeah. help me in that process. And I think that. Well, no, I think the leader has to be the decision maker. No. And you have to. I you, disagree. Yeah, me too. You think so? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Oh, I don't definitely. Know. I think decisions are. Uh, flexible, depending on the situation and the level of risk associated with it. For example, if it is an extremely high-risk situation, the leader is putting a second mortgage on her house because she's going to go and really take a flying leap with this business concept, and she has four employees. She's not going to go to the four employees with regard to the direction that the business is going to go. It's her vision. Right. And she will give the employees whatever they need, but it's her decision with regard to the second mortgage. So she'll okay. look so at it. So she's and the say, decision maker there. It's my decision right. with your input. Okay. But in other instances, it could be how to serve a client. What's the best way? And she's not on the front line. So she yeah, looks well, at yeah, it and I mean, says yeah, it's I mean, your decision with my input right. or it's your decision alone. Yeah, and I it, mean those are those are less I mean, it's you know, like what color pens to to, to purchase for the you know. These are, but I'm talking about like like the big, you know, the leadership decisions that need to be made for the company. 
always have to be made by the leader. Eh, you know, but even then, I'm not sure if I would 100% agree with that. And I would say that, and let's use a retail situation, our Zappos clients, right. they empowered, or, or guests, they empower their individuals to make decisions on the spot. Yeah, but now, those, to me, that's But those aren't leadership, those aren't no, leadership I, decisions. Those are not the, the I mean, those are day-to-day -day decisions. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's day-to-day. -day. leadership but you're not going to have, that's you're not going to have the, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Duke Kahala and the other gal making a decision of whether or not um, Zappos should sell out to eBay. But my guess is is that that culture permeates all the way down like that. Mm -hmm. It also wiggles its way all the way to the top. That when the, that decision is made, it's not being made, yeah. you know, hierarchically. It's not being made that way. That they yeah. are they are getting feedback from their boys and girls because there is a no like trust component to the relationship and the culture that's in that business. I think the other point that Schwartz made in this column is that decisions need to be made with informed choices. And the point that he makes there is that if you have a something that you're trying to decide upon, let all voices be heard. Who has the authority or the responsibility to make the decision varies. But let all voices be heard. I sat yesterday with a couple of guys down in Rhode Island who probably better than anybody that I know are lean experts. They know how to transform organizations. And they adhere to the simple philosophy of servant leadership, where basically the role of the leader is to set a vision and direction and then provide the team whatever resources they need to make that vision and direction reality. And that's what a servant leader does. Now what gets lost mm. in my mind in that equation is accountability. Yes. No, I absolutely I agree, which is why I think there are the decisions that are only one person can pull the trigger on this event. Yeah. Customer service is not one of those things. Not one per because you have multiple customers. Be. Yeah. You know. So not one person should be pulling the trigger on, on that. Multiple people are because you have representatives all over the place. So I get that. What I'm saying is you have to have the guy at the very top, the leader or the gal at the very top. Um, with those one trigger decisions, he's the guy because he has to be accountable. As long as she or he is informed. Yeah, and that's what comes up to the team building and trust and, and all this other kind of stuff. Neat stuff. Let's do a quick little break, and then we'll get more into um, uh, what makes a, a good leader and some other fun examples. By the way, if you guys want to uh, call in, if you have ideas of what makes a great leader, that would be uh, terrific, and we would welcome that. I also want to say a little shout-out to our friends. Uh, we, we joined a new Facebook group, uh, the Business Entrepreneurs Facebook group, and uh, I know a few of you are logging in right now. So thank you. Great uh, Facebook site, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, speaking of a lot of fun, you know what's a lot of fun is going down to Black Eyed Sally's down in Hartford. If you don't know about Black Eyed Sally's, it is a place that you want to go, why don't you give away one of your gift certificates, Brian, and treat one of our listeners to a dinner? Boy, don't you love my ideas? Yeah, you're <laughs> a pain in the ass. Let me tell you that right now. We really do have a script, I swear. It's like written here. There's like a specific thing I have Come to on, promote. man. Be a good leader. <laughs> Be a good leader? Okay. Whoops. <laughs> Folks, I got Doors open. <laughs> Tommy Russo is going to get 
a listener, <laughs> the first person to respond to our, uh, you know what, Th- throw up a little, hey, I want Tommy to buy me dinner <laughs> on our Facebook page, which is you just go to onthehorn.com in the Facebook search button and, and you'll see us. I'll or link to us to from our it. website. I'll be glad to do it. $100, <laughs> Tommy will say, I want Tommy to, to buy me dinner and you will get it. But there's another way you can get a $50 gift card and that is through our Black Eyed and Blues gift card giveaway. It's all part of the Feed Our Friends program. You can score that $50 gift card to Black Guide Sally's by friending us on Facebook, onthehorn.com. And all you have to do is, that's it. You friend us on Facebook, you're in the running. What happens is each week, uh, our chat room moderator, Evan Richards, uh, randomly picks one of our new Facebook friends. And he, uh, during the Black Eyed and Blues uh, music show, which comes up in about uh, 45 minutes or so, uh, he will put your name up there. He'll contact you however he can with messages or whatever. And uh, that's it. There's like three or four folks that are in the running. The first person to respond to it gets a $50 gift card. It's that easy. Uh, so just log on to Facebook. Find us on Facebook. Friend us. Our guy Evan will find you. He'll throw you a $50 gift card if uh, you respond by the end of the show. And you will get it. But if you want $100, <laughs> if you want $100, what you do is you just log on to our Facebook fan page and you like us and you say, I want Tommy to buy me dinner. First person to do that, Tommy Russo, will get you a $100 gift card. There you go. To Black Eyed Sally's. <laughs> All part of the Feed Our Friends program here <laughs> at On the Horn. Tommy's between girlfriends right now, so that might work. There he you is. go. That's right. And so if you're a fat, disgusting, overweight oh. guy, please be the first one. Please. That would be great. Um, okay. There is a, uh, this is uh, from The Voice magazine, had 10 um, great qualities or important keys to leadership. And, you know, I. Let's do a quick little rundown of that, and then we can get back to whatever you guys want to get to. Because I think some of them are interesting. Some of them are obvious. Yeah. But some of them are interesting talking points. Number one, how you think affects everything. How you think affects everything. Think about that for a moment. All of us have uh, our our, our products of our decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And we have made our lives because of this. And how we think controls the decisions that we make throughout our life. So if we want to make the right decisions in business, we have to make sure that our mindset, which is one of the keys that you wanted to bring up in today, that's it, kind of uh, affects us. So yeah. I think that's actually a pretty interesting one. If you have a, I, I think of it here, I was in a horrendous mood when I came in, Tommy not helping me with that, but I was in a horrendous mood when I came in, but I, you know, <laughs> I sat down and I got some stuff, you know, the stupid chat room doesn't work and there's something else that happened earlier today that kind of bummed me out, rah, rah, rah. but I knew that I couldn't do the opening of the show, high energy and all that kind of stuff if I was on the freaking freaking fracking so you kind of have to get yourself up I, you, you kind of like that with a ceo when you walk into that building as all employees do but especially if you're the ceo or the leader of a group or a manager or whatever you got to throw that stuff out for a moment and just kind of like okay got to center myself these guys are expecting me to be their leader and i got to walk in there with positive attitude and i got to make sure that i'm sharp and i understand what needs to happen in order for them to succeed in their day. And if I come in with a bad attitude. That's it. You know, this is a weird list because numbers two through 10 are all affirmative statements 
number one, how you think affects everything is a bit wish. I wish they would have phrased it think positively. Yeah, but how would I think it's more powerful how you think affects everything. Two is setting goals. Set goals. I, I take think that's, action. that's just a good plan for no matter what you're doing. I don't care if you have to clean your house or lose weight or, you know, merge with a big company. S- setting goals is just, it is the easiest thing not to do this and the best thing you can do. Stuff too. I mean, number three, take action. Take action. Uh, faith without work, without work is dead. Sure. But I think a lot of us get paralyzed. Tommy, you'll love number four. Never stop learning. That's your world. Yeah, no, absolutely. You are a sponge. Thank you. I think that's probably one of my uh, one of my downfalls, is that uh, I get to a certain <clears throat> point, and I feel as if, whoa, I know a lot about this subject or this area now, and I get a little cocky mm. with it. You become and then one I, of those arrogant leaders. And I become one of those arrogant leaders. All right, number five: work hard and be persistent. Yeah, that's that's what. That's sandbox knowledge that your mom and dad told you. But not not followed. I would say the majority of Americans do not I think work most Americans hard. are lazy. I think, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, lazy. I think is we a, are. I think we As work culture, many hours, we but we don't work hard. I think we're, it's, it's a fascinating world of, there's, it's so easy to become very efficient now. I don't think it's a matter of efficient. I think people work to protect themselves. I don't. Think, I think most people work to protect themselves. I think, but if by protect themselves you mean Preserve do enough just job, to get by, do make, enough just to get by, but not excel. If I went into most corporations today, and I presented an issue that had a tinge of risk associated with it for that person and their position in that company, and I asked them to tackle that problem. The immediate perspective of, I would venture, 80% or more of the people would be, I will tackle the problem after I figure out that it's not going to screw me. Right. Then I'll take care of it. Interesting. So the culture of the organization, which is a leadership function, setting the culture, the culture of the organization is, on a mild scale, competitive, in a worse situation, punishing. And people go into self-protection mode. They sit there and say, this climate is toxic. I have to protect yeah. myself. It's a great observation. You're right on yeah. on that. Yeah. But I think, to me, it is much more fund- fundamental than that. If you are looking to achieve, you need to set yourself up and have the discipline to be able to step to the plate mm-hmm. day in mm-hmm. and day out with the goals clearly in mind and be able to go after the goals that you have set forth for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I tend to agree that most of America, at least most of the America that I run into, doesn't have that discipline. No. They, they don't. don't. They and get the day to day. They're looking mm-hmm. they're looking for the leader to make that decision for yeah. them. This is how you're gonna be disciplined. Yeah. They're looking for their girlfriend, their boyfriend, their wife, someone else, as opposed to you know something, I'm going to be my own personal leader. And in my own personal leadership, I'm going to take charge of myself every single day to achieve the things that I want to that will certainly benefit yeah. me, but also the greater good of any organization or community that I'm a part of. The late, great Stephen Covey, self-mastery first. There you go. You know, it's almost like... That's it. It is it. It's almost like, um, you know that Maslow's hierarchy? Yeah. And uh, there's that self-actualization at the very top. And at the very bottom, it's sort of uh, the uh, 
physiological needs, you know, yeah. food, clothing, shelter, food, yeah. that, that kind of stuff. And you move up to uh, safety, sense of belonging, a mm-hmm. good self-esteem, and then self-actualization. I think we're almost, we, we're always striving for self-actualization without having the base. Well, you can't get there without the base. That's right. the point. But I think that's maybe why we keep failing, why we keep Well, some of that has down. to do with it, yeah. it has to do with pop culture and media that you know, you look yes. and you see a Paris Hilton that somehow has catapulted oh, yeah. to, yeah. you know, these levels of perceived <clears throat> success when in reality there's no success. She just was born into the right family and Paris Hilton becomes a microcosm of all the other folks out there that like you to believe that they they have talent. They have the, skill. They have knowledge. The infuriation. Have no- Kim Kardashian, eighteen million dollars in income last year. Give yeah, it's pretty me good. A break. You know right. what? The, I mean, Thank you. Now I'm interested in this. You would you would see that those two people, and you would say, they are destined for a serious bout of depression. You know, at no matter who you are, at some point you look back at yourself and be like. You know, I'm well, at least very, we'll have the I'm money to pay for the psychiatrist. Yeah, but but I would bet <laughs> Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I bet you she goes into the into the depression. I don't see this Paris Hilton. I, I think, think she is so she's so so surface. removed yeah. from it that she doesn't yeah. even care. What should I be like, depressed about? Yeah. Great, I don't Good have my you. little doggy but, with me. But we do want the listenerships. <laughs> but I I, I want to go back to the culture. And yeah. the leadership setting the culture. Let me take the first five that we covered on this list and read them to you differently. Okay. Thinking negatively affects everything. Okay. Get by day to day, number two. Okay. Do what you need to do, number three. Interesting. Okay. All right. Number four, instead of never stop learning, know what you need to know and that'll be enough. Okay. Number five, instead of work hard and be persistent, right? do enough to get by. Do enough to get by. All right. Those are the two spectrums of the culture. All right? The culture of Great very positive, the culture of very negative. The leader, to your point, Brian, earlier, the leader is the one that sets that vision. And, Tommy, you were talking about it as well. It is the person who understands that one where we're going is a direction I need to set. How we get there is a collaborative effort. Exactly. That's my per- that's my take on a leader setting a good culture. And a good leader recognizes that and let's use that this there's a leader over here and he sees the three of us and he or she recognizes the strengths and weaknesses of Ken Cook, the mm-hmm. same with Tommy Russo and the same with Brian Parker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And works with us individually to be able to, you know, honor and cheer on the strengths. Coach and, and encourage and build. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And be yeah. able to do that as an individuals and then at the same time as a group to find to get us to that middle ground. Yeah. To motivate you to be your very best and you to be your very best and me to be our very best. And there's a there's a piece there that you have to recognize what needs help and then what needs um, more in, encouragement. Is that the right word? I'm looking at I'm looking at your strengths and I want to have those blossom even more. Yeah. Promote promote the your strengths and uh, and, and help. I think the smartest leader is the one that has the ability to ask. It would be much more effective if a leader who That's is a coaching point. a team yeah. went to each team member individually and asked them 
what they want help on. Yeah. And ask permission to help them. <sighs> or, you know what I, and I find this in my own life, uh, in, you know, the different businesses that I'm in, I find I'm looking at a, I don't know, a balance sheet or something, or I'm looking at a report of some kind, and I and I look at a number and I'm saying to myself, you know, I, I don't know how we got to that number. And I think everyone in the room thinks I should know how I got to that number, and I'm afraid to ask anyone because yeah, yeah. I don't want to admit that I don't. I how don't did we get know. there? Yeah. I had this happen the other day. We had a, a tranche of income for doesn't matter what. And, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, if it comes, you know, this is like a $75 item. And, you know, it was like some like $50,000 revenue year to date so far. And I'm saying to myself, there's no way we sold whatever that's a whatever 50,000 divided by 75. There's no way we sold that many of that's them. That's a lot Like, of I units. can't, like, how, how, do you, how do I get to that number? And I was like, should I ask? Should I? And I'm on the board of this place that I am. And I'm like, should I ask this? Like, I'm like the finance So guy. what did you do? So I ended up asking. Yeah. Good. See, now my contention is. And it was is, like, oh, yeah. And it was like, well, we had these. And that gets categorized in there. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, like, that's my contention. My contention is you gain more respect by yeah. putting yourself in that position in that moment. That, to me, is a sign of a great leadership. Yeah. Because I'm saying to my peers, my group, my employees, whatever categorization you want to put them in, I don't have the answer to this. Can you help me? Yeah. You know, I'm a little bit confused. Can you help me? My bar of respect for you has just gone yeah. up because you are acknowledging your humanness and that you're looking for your team to help boy and move you forward. Now, it, now, admittedly, not everyone is a great business mind and would recognize that. So I think that comes with a caveat of there are going to be some people that say, Idiot. You didn't know that? <laughs> What the hell are you even doing here? Yeah. There are going to be people that say that. So you yeah, know what? I mean, might have even been me. You, you have to <laughs> kind of say every every post show. That's what Tommy says to me. What are you, some kind of moron, Sella? <laughs> but um, so so be be prepared for that, and just kind of you know get yourself in that mental. Play. You know what? If someone hates me for this, whatever. You know the other aspect that I was thinking about as you What's guys that? were talking is when leaders. I think another function that leaders perform well is to coach their people as you were each eloquently stating bringing out the skills and enabling people to blossom and grow but when a leader coaches i think it's critically important that they ask permission to do it because if you coach without permission all you're doing is telling and you have no sense of whether the other person is receptive to receiving it's a great point but you know what, that to me, that goes back to your observation a few minutes ago that a great leader asked. But yeah. I also would add to that, not only does he or she ask, but as important, more important, they listen. Yeah. It's they, always in the listen. They listen. Yeah. And they really hear what the individual has to say. And then even though we gave tribute to him last week, that would yeah. you know, first seek to understand and then to be understood. Exactly. So I'm going to ask you, Ken, you know, I'm really not sure what it is that's going to motivate you, and then I'm going to do a really good job of listening to you and then feeding it back to you. There was something about, I think it was, uh, oh, gosh, who wrote that book? Was it Dale Carnegie? Had it when Friends and Influence? That's him. Um, I think in the beginning of that book, there's a story of, a, of the angry manager or boss or whatever, and he's walking around the construction site, and no one's wearing the bloody helmets the safety helmets and 
you know, he had tried and tried and tried and yelled and screamed and said, you know, wear your stupid helmets, wear your stupid helmets. And then one day he had sort of like the epiphany and walked up to someone and said, you know, I'm noticing you're not wearing your helmet. Are the helmets uncomfortable? Hmm. Did you forget your helmet? Is it the wrong size? And all Help of a sudden, he, st- he started to hear some of the, and, you know, he got a little, you know, he got some, uh, you know, tape and uh, foam for inside. All of a sudden, now he understood the problem. Amen. As opposed Amen. to, the problem wasn't that people weren't wearing the helmets because they were being unsafe. The problem was that these people were being unsafe. The problem was it was uncomfortable to work in the helmets. Yeah. And, I, you know, that kind of just sticks with me. And, you know, to build on that. Tommy, you and I have talked about this a lot. One of the great communication power tools is paraphrasing. Yeah. Because it gives you understanding and clarity to know that you're understood. And there is a distinct difference between paraphrasing and parrot phrasing. Ooh, great articulation. Do not I love use it. the same words. You're right. right. You use the same words, and it basically says, I heard the words. I'm not sure we got any depth there. Right. Right. So. Well, I've never heard it articulated like that, but I love that. I'm going to use that. Mm. I think, Brian, you should start coming to the show wearing a helmet. That would really set a nice tone for our show, don't you think? Incoming. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm going to throw this brick at you, <laughs> and it's your fault for not wearing a helmet. Okay, see. <laughs> That's it from now on. We're going to get special, uh, what's the name of our show? Open for Business Helmets. <laughs> that's the name know, of our show? Doesn't even know the name of the show. Uh, well, that's because I just got hit by a brick. Doesn't even I just got hit by a brick. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with a, with a halibut pretty soon. Mm. Let's take a quick little break from our friends and tell you about them from uh, Deepwater Seafood of Avon. If you have not been to the best fish market in the state of Connecticut, Deepwater Seafood, you're missing out. Unless you don't like seafood, then maybe you're not missing out so much. Uh, but Deepwater has really the best and most fresh seafood in the area. Deepwater is located on Route 44 in Avon. It is worth the trip. Open six days a week, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Why? Why is it the best fish around there is not another place in connecticut that gets not one not two but three fresh fish deliveries that was very shakespearean three (laughs) three fish deliveries daily is that because they only get three fish and they come one at a time no i don't think that would be good for them i think they sell out a lot and they and they don't want to stock up large inventories for the next day um so you know that these fish are very fresh very fresh. Uh, Deepwater has a menu of grilled fish items, if you don't want to cook, scampi, fish and chips. Uh, if you want soups or a bisque or a chowder, you can get it all from there. Uh, they also do catering. Uh, for a long time, we've told you about their authentic uh, paella. You get a paella and a salad for 12 people. Very inexpensive. Cedar plank salmon sides, all sorts of traditional New England clam bake stuff. Uh, great for summertime fun. If you have a new patio like I do, uh, the 24th, I think, is my big party. Yeah, you better believe they're coming have over. Have you gotten house. your invitation yet, Ken? Paella? No. <laughs> for the, for, you, know, you didn't get the invitation? I did not. N- neither did I. It's probably because I didn't invite you. <laughs> uh, Deepwater also has the Fairy Fish and Shrimp <laughs> Cocktail. Should we paraphrase this? <laughs> Let's paraphrase this. The pre-show got that. The folks joining us for the pre-show got that. Um, 
a great shrimp cocktail. Call in your order if you want to ha- have your order ready for you at the end of the workday or for picking up around your errands. Uh, tell them what time you're going to swing by, and they will have your order ready. Here's the phone number, 860-676-9657, or you can visit them online at deepwaterseafood.com. Great, great place. I'm really looking forward. We have uh, the clam bake and uh, traditional barbecue on the, I think it's the 24th. It's, it's, the, it's the Saturday around the 24th of August that we're going to have that. And, and you all listening are invited. August or July? August. <laughs> I won't be in town. That's all right. Oh, that's too bad, Ken. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> a little more fish for me. There you be. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but give them a call. It, it is worth the drive. People have told me they have come from uh, they have come from Greenwich, all the way from Canton, uh, Simsbury. No, no. The people have people. Well, first of all, people love the commercial that we used to do, which we don't do anymore. I don't know why we don't. Why don't we do that anymore? Let's go back to it, man. I'm already deep water. There you go. So, Ken, yes, get us refocused. Enough of this fish stuff. Well, the phrase that was used in this story about our is it illustrious or infamous 20-minute CEO? Uh, infamous. I think infamous. Yeah. Illustrious. Uh, infamous. You could do that, but you would have to put another descriptor yeah. in there. But the infamous CEO, Bill Johnson, after 20 minutes, uh, the rest of the story talks about making an informed choice and how leaders not only want but encourage voices to be heard. And just a short little paragraph here. When you make an informed choice, you assume that other people have valuable information right and that each of you will see things the others don't you consider differences in views as opportunities to learn which i think was number four never stop learning and uh... there are also opportunities to come to the best decisions you get all the information on the table and figure out how the pieces fit together that to me accomplishes a whole bunch of stuff all at the same time. It sets a culture of value for the employees. It lets the employees know your voice is not only valuable, but we want to hear it. We may not always act on your input, but your input is valuable to have because we have a puzzle we're putting together here. Every business you run is a puzzle. You're trying to figure out how the pieces fit in order to get you where you want to go. And that's what the informed choice is all about. So, my product idea for the day. I want to stack a post-it notes, each one of them pre-written with a header that says, make an informed choice, and just keep sticking them on people's desks, giving them the opportunity to make informed choices all the time. I like it. I like it. Brian. Somebody's going to steal that. I know it. But that's okay. No, it's a really, really just good. Just gave it away. That's, that's a really good idea. Yeah. So, but... Expound, if you wouldn't mind, Ken, a little bit more on exactly what you mean by informed choice. What does that mean to you? When you're making an informed choice, what are some, what's some of the groundwork that you do to get to that space and place and time? First and foremost, recognizing my own biases and seeking information to overcome them. Because if my biases rule my decisions, I'll get more of the same. I will not grow, I will not learn, I will not build upon what I know. And see, now that's why I love your answer. And that's why, to me, a great leader goes to his or her people. Yeah. Because they are self-aware enough 
to recognize that just what you said is exactly the potential for them in making a decision on their own, is that their yeah. bias is going to sway them left, sway them right. And so let me bring in other people to really balance that out mm-hmm. in one form or another. Candace, my wife gets crazy because I, I won't say frequently, but almost daily, will tune into Fox News at some point. I'll read Charles Krauthammer. I'll read George Will. Only because I need to hear the other side. I mean, that's not my political leaning. George Will is not your political leaning? Mm-hmm. Say what? I'm more George Will than I am Fox News, but I'm not as conservative as George is on some things, no. I tend to be a little more uh, Rachel Maddow than George Will. Really? Absolutely. I would not have guessed that at all. Yeah. I'm a capitalist at heart. Very much a capitalist. <laughs> and it is, not a dis- it is not a disconnect. They work very well within me. Being a capitalist and being Rachel Maddow-esque in my perspective on things, no complex for me. I can figure it out. And Brian is looking skeptically. <laughs> no, I'm not looking. No, I'm. I'm. No, I'm not. I'm fine. Okay, I'm fine. I really am. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, you and I are going to be looking for something else to do. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I would. You know, I. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I. Would. No, I will tell you. Since I've started doing this, it's like I have no. Like there are no Republicans anymore. I don't know what that means. There's just no, there's no one to cheer for. I mean, actually, oh, I talked okay. to Mark Greenberg uh, on. He called my house last night. First, he did a town hall meeting, yeah. and then he called me back because I didn't get to ask my question. So I talked to him, and uh, he was actually. I mean, he doesn't have a chance in of being our next congressman in the fifth district. He doesn't. He just he's he gonna, doesn't. Yeah, and it's sad because he's not actually bad. And it sounds like he's way more informed than these like platitudes that you get from like Donovan or whoever else. Um, and so there's really there's just no one to root for. There's no one. There are no leaders in the I, Republican Party. My challenge with the far right conservative thinking is that it is so intransigent. It does not allow for input from others. Yeah. which is exactly what we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes. Okay. They're not informed choices. And I I have the same criticism of the far left. They are not informed choices on Absolutely. that side either. Yes, thank you. My perspective on the world is that it's gray. There is no black, there is no white. Well, on some issues there is. There is. I mean, there are certain moral issues. Yeah. There are certain value issues that are absolutely black and white. There is right and wrong on the Ten Commandments. You, you know what it is? I think it comes down to goal setting. We don't have a goal, and we're not allowed to have goals, mm-hmm. because you get hammered by all the other grayness that comes out. Well, if you do that, then all these other bad things are going to happen. Yes, but if we want to get to our goal, you got to buy into the goal first, yeah. and I think that's what it is. America I mean, doesn't have any goals there's anymore. There's no specificity. Cutting taxes and cutting spending is not a goal. That's a platitude. You know what? That's a great point. For what? For what purpose are we going to do that? Yeah. You know, I mean, T- tell me where we're going with it. Tell me what you want to cut. Be we want Yeah, we want to go. You know what was great about uh, you know when our country started was we wanted to you know we just kept moving west. Yeah. We had a real physical goal, and we understood it. And then keep the union together. Then how the heck do we communicate with all these, you know, different states? The United States are 
all these different states. I got a new clock I want to see. You know how they have the debt clock that spins with yeah. how much the debt yeah. is increasing? I want to see the hypocrisy meter because the closer we get to sequestration at the end of the year, that meter's ju- it's not going to go far to the red. It's just going to go ballistic and off the end. The hypocrisy yeah. that's going to set in on all sides is going to be through the roof. So for our last couple minutes, okay. let me bring us back to center here. We have been talking about... Oh, we were having fun Well, there. but I'm going to tie it in. I'm going to tie it in. All right. We're talking about leadership. So let yeah. me ask you two. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, why is it that in the area that probably in some ways this country needs it the most? Yeah. And that is clear-cut leadership. We see the most profound void of it. Money. They want to be elected. Yeah, I think money. Yeah, people are people are bought. I mean, it really. I mean, it's one terrible economy. There are gajillionaires out there, and you know what? At the end of the day, you know, you get a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage, and someone comes to you and says, "Hey, you know, you have a little bit of influence. How about if I give you, uh, you know, fifty grand and you write this blog post?" Yeah, they're gonna write the blog post. You know, people that, are bought left and right. That was a Sicilian Zen master voice. <laughs> hey, yeah. Tony Soprano for on the horn, huh? Hey, we got to give David Moore here some props for being in the studio. Hey, David, welcome. Even though you came in at the very last minute. Hello. Hi, where are you? Answer to your question in a nutshell, though, people want to be reelected. And That's, they do what they need to do yeah. for that. They do not do what needs so to be So how do we turn done. that around? Do we turn that around? Do we? Do, are we the, the four of us going to live long enough to see that turned around? No. No. No, I think I'll be dead, and I think this is the sort. Of, this is the sort of, you know, the experiment of America. I think has now jumped the shark. I think it's it. We're we're now on the slow spiral down. There are a number of scholars who have studied the parallels to the fall of the Roman Empire, and they are scary as hell. Yeah, and we've just done it quicker. Rome yeah. done. You got anything on us? We're going into the dark. We ages. did it in a tenth of a time. Well, I'm going home and getting shit faced. Bubonic plagues <laughs> on the way, folks. Hey, way not to curse on this show. <laughs> Take uh-huh. us out, my friend. We're in trouble already. Oh my goodness! I'm going to have to change the iTunes listing now to explicit. <laughs> it's not going to be fun. Sorry. Well, thank you all for listening, and we could not have done this without our sponsors: Amazon.com, Gateway Financial, the accounting firm of Budwitz and Meyer Jack, Deepwater Seafood of Avon, and Central CT Dental. Dot com. Very special thanks to our chat room moderator, Evan Richards, and technical team over at the Independent Media Network, Lawn and Doug. We are closing up shop for this week, but next week we'll be back when we will be open for business. We'll Cheers. see you later, guys. Bye-bye. Take care.